Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. If you've been following with us over the last number of weeks and now months as we've taken a look at the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon begins the book by saying, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And he's been spending eight chapters bemoaning the vanities that he's discovered in life. He's chronicling all of the endeavors that he's had, his goals, his dreams, and his accomplishments through life. And he grew rich. He grew powerful, he grew famous, he filled his life with all the pleasures that you might have in this world, and yet he was left feeling empty, like there was still something more. And he had to stop and think, you know what, I have more than anybody. Anybody else in this world, I have more than them, and yet I still feel empty. I don't feel fulfilled. And he's writing about all of these things. And he spent eight chapters writing about how life is vain because I chased after these things and I got all of these things and I was still left feeling unfulfilled, unsatisfied, and frustrated. But now at the beginning of chapter number nine and really through to the end of the book, I think that you'll see that now he has come to the real conclusion on first glance, he thought life is vain. Life is empty. That was his initial conclusion. But now he is coming to the real conclusion, the better conclusion, the conclusion that will be helpful to him and also helpful to us because he realized something. He realized something in verse number one. For all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. Solomon is coming to the conclusion that living for the things of this world and the things of this life are empty, but when we put our lives and ourselves in the hands of God, we can be full. And that's the conclusion that Solomon came to, that life without God is empty, but life with God is full. And it doesn't matter how much you have, doesn't matter how far up the ranks you reach in your company, the accomplishments that you have, life without God was empty, but life with God was full. So the question I hope that you'll ask yourself is, have you put yourself in the hand of God? Are you in God's hand? Do you put your trust in the Lord? Do you simply decide, I'm going to follow God? I'm going to do what God asked me to do. Sometimes it may not make sense. Sometimes it may seem like we're not, where are we going with this? It might seem like we're going all around except exactly where we thought we might go, but if we determine that we will follow the Lord, it will lead to fullness of life. And when you put yourself in the hands of God, I believe that there are a few consequences and reactions of each of us. The first of which is when you put yourself in the hands of God, you can capitalize on your limited chances in this life. Verse number two, we read these verses, but let's go over them again. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean. 
to him that sacrificeth and to him that sacrificeth not, as is the good, so is the sinner. And he that sweareth, as he that feareth an oath. So Solomon is writing and he says, here are all of these different kinds of people. The broadest spectrum of you have good and you have evil, you have righteous and you have wicked, you have the clean and you have the unclean, you have uh, the, those that swear and those that fear an oath. He's, say, he's saying, take every single person that you might know, even at the farthest extremes of where they might be, and no matter who they are, I can guarantee you the same thing is going to happen to all of them. Verse number three, there is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all. One thing I know about everybody. I may never have met you. I may not know anything about you. I might not know your upbringing. I might not know your ethnicity. I might not know how wealthy you are. I might not know your IQ. I might not know all of these different things about you. I don't know any of those things, but I can guarantee this one thing about you and about us all. There is one event unto all, yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil and madness is in their heart while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. You know what Solomon is saying? Solomon is saying, no matter who you are, I know how your story ends. Oh, some of you might be born into great wealth, have a great inheritance. Your family might be rich and wealthy. Some of you might have been born into a family that didn't have as much and you weren't able to do all of the things and have the things that some of these other families had. But to both of them, Solomon says, I know how your story ends. Your story ends the same way. Your stories both end with death. Doesn't matter how rich you are, how powerful you are, how accomplished you are, no matter how far you get in life, no matter how many people know your name, whether or not you get a Wikipedia page and all of these different things, no matter what, Solomon says, I know where you will end up. And that place is in the grave. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Solomon is saying, no matter what I do in my life, I know that one thing is coming. The same thing is coming to me as to everybody else in the world. I know I will end up in the same place. One day, my life will end. I'm not going to live forever. I'm not going to have an eternal place here on earth. My life will end. And the end of that life is what I must consider. Because the Bible says, after the death, there is judgment. It is in that judgment that we could find fullness of life. It is in that place after we die that we could find purpose and fulfillment and satisfaction. Solomon continues, knowing that our lives are short and we will pass away, we are guaranteed that end, what should we do? Verse number four, for to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion, for the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more a reward for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done 
under the sun. You know what Solomon is saying is so many people live based off of the feelings that they have. I, I just love this thing so much. I'm so envious of what somebody else might have. And, and uh, I just really don't like that person. I don't like this thing. And they orient themselves all around their feelings and their emotions and how they feel when they wake up in the morning. And what Solomon is saying, all of those things are going to pass away. Don't live your life based on those things. Don't live your life based on how you feel. Live your life based on the truth that God has given to us all, on what will happen after we pass away. And he says in verse number four, to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. Solomon is saying, if you're alive today, you have hope. If you're alive today, you have opportunity. If you're alive today, God's not done with you yet. God has a plan for you. God wants something for you. God desires something for you. And what does God want us to do in the life that we have? He wants us to please him. Verse number seven, go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart. Now, this sounds like some of the other verses that we've heard earlier in the book of Ecclesiastes. Just, ah, I don't really understand life. It doesn't satisfy. Just live it up and have as much fun as you might have. It sounds similar. But he's saying there's a very big difference now. For God now accepteth thy works. He's saying God wants to be pleased with what you do. And when we please the Lord in what we do today, we can have joy. We can have fulfillment in life. And so Solomon is really, in a way, directing us to serve the Lord today. That is where fullness of life comes. And the exhortation is, tomorrow is not guaranteed, so serve God today. Today you have hope. Tomorrow we don't know what will happen Tomorrow, we, we, we won't know what will show up in the news. We don't know uh, the things of tomorrow. Those things are not guaranteed. The thing that we have right now is today. And Solomon exhorts us to live today. Consider today the hope that we have today. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in an accepted time, and, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time, Behold, now is the day of salvation. The first exhortation of the Lord is today is the day of salvation. If you're not saved today, if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, you're not sure that you're on your way to heaven, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till next year. God is exhorting. Let us be saved today for those that have not trusted Christ as their Savior. For those of us that are saved, God's admonition is, let's serve the Lord today. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. While we have opportunity today, God exhorts us, let us serve the Lord. And when we serve the Lord, when we have the desire to please the Lord, we find fullness of life. Psalms 37 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You know where the fullness of life and how we can have a heart that is full? Those things come from the Lord. 
And so we must seek to uh, 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 please the Lord, and in pleasing the Lord, we can find fullness of life, even in every single area of our lives. And he elaborates even further in verse number eight. Let thy garments be always white, and let thy head lack no ointment. Obviously, we can uh, see this illustration of us in our faith, in our spiritual living, we might say, that we ought to be pure. We ought to follow God. We ought to, if you're saved, obviously God has cleansed you of your sins, but on a daily basis, we might need to return to the Lord, restore that relationship, ask for forgiveness. We're not getting saved again, but we need to restore that relationship again with the Lord. And we, we need to continue to be faithful to God. But you'll notice that there's no mention of the results here in verse number eight. You know, God desires that we simply be faithful and follow the Lord and leave the results up to him. To allow God to say, you do what I asked you to do and I'll bring the rewards. I'll produce the fruit. I'll bring about the results. Jesus said this in John 15, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. You know what Jesus' exhortation is? Don't worry about the fruit. I'll take care of the fruit. You just make sure that you're abiding in me. You just make sure that you're dwelling in me and my words abide in you. You just make sure you do your part. You do what I ask you to do. You continue to follow me. I will give you fullness of life and you leave the rewards up to me. And we can find fullness of life in the ministry. I know sometimes it can be frustrating when you go out and you're witnessing and you're soul winning, you're passing out invitations, you're ministering here in a class or you're, you're trying to uh, serve somebody here in the church or maybe you're witnessing to a, a friend or a neighbor and you're witnessing and witnessing and witnessing and you're serving and serving and serving and sometimes it feels like nothing's happening. <laughs> you ever feel that way? You feel like I'm witnessing and nobody has been getting saved. I've been, you know, passing out these tracts and talking to people and praying. And, and God is saying, don't worry about those things. You can't save them. That fruit comes from me. You just be faithful. You just continue to serve. Psalm chapter one, verse number one says, blessed is the man. Another word that we might use is happy. Happy is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not uh, wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper." You know what the psalmist is, is saying here? He's saying, just be in the right place, feeding on the Lord and uh, 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 getting blessed by the Lord and God will bring you the fruit in due season, in your season. And so we can find fulfillment in our ministry. Verse number nine says we can also find fulfillment in our marriage and in our family. Verse number nine, live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity. And so he's now elaborating and, and, and entering into the area of the home. And, uh, you know, a husband here is married to a wife, and I'm, it's not listed here, but I'm sure that there are kids as well. And, 
you know, uh, for those of you that are here and uh, been here, you'll know that we're expecting our third. We're excited about the third. And, uh, you know, we have two already and we're, ex we're excited about the third. But uh, I know what the third child means. <laughs> I know it means that we'll be waking up at night and we'll just be taking care of things and just trying to make sure that they don't destroy the home and they don't hurt themselves, you know. And, and sometimes you can go through all of life and just trying to keep your kids alive and <laughs> these different things. And, and sometimes it can feel like, what are we doing? But you can find great fulfillment in life if you just simply say, this is what God has given to me. These are my roles for the, for the day and for today. I'm just going to continue to trust God and find fulfillment in life. Now, I know it doesn't sound great when you think that vacuuming them up after your kids is fulfilling in life. But the point is that we can be fulfilled no matter where we are in our home life, in our family life, in our work life, also even in the mundane for that is thy portion in thy life and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. You know what Solomon is saying here? He's saying, whatever you're doing today, do it with gusto. Give it your might. Do it with all that you got. Why? Because after your life is over, there is no more of that. And what he's saying is, every day that you have is a gift from God. Because every day is a gift from God, we could find fulfillment no matter what we find in the day. Maybe you're even doing the boring, quote-unquote, and the mundane things of life. You know, you're just cleaning around the house, just taking care of some basic things, running some errands, going grocery shopping. Now, I know that that doesn't sound exciting and, and nobody, you know, posts on Instagram about how they're vacuuming their house and going grocery shopping. You know, that, that's not exciting. But when we understand today is the day that the Lord hath made and God has given to me this day, and that means that God has something for me, we could find fullness of life. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So the Bible makes it very clear, every day is a gift from the Lord. And we could find fulfillment in every single day knowing God has given to me another day. He has made the sun shine on my life this morning. And today is a day that God wants me to serve him, to please him in all that I do. And when I do that, I could find fullness of life. And so God desires for us in this life to capitalize on the limited chances that we have. But also, in understanding fullness of life comes when we put our lives in the hands of God, is to recognize your limited control in this life. Verse number 11, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. We are conditioned to think that the best should always win. Right? I mean, I think every one of us loves an underdog story. 
But I think all of us also recognize is if you're the best, you're kind of expected to win. There's a reason why you are favored in the battle and in the race. But sometimes the fastest man doesn't win the race. Sometimes the strongest man doesn't win the battle. Sometimes the smartest man doesn't gain the, the riches and money. Everybody knows the name Michael Jordan. He's widely considered to be the greatest basketball player of all time. When he went to college, he went to college in North Carolina, and uh, he made the game-winning shot his freshman year to win the national championship. I mean, what a start. What a way to start your collegiate career. The next two years, they didn't win the championship, but he was uh, first-team All-American consensus his sophomore and junior years. I mean, he's coming in with high accolades, and he's had some great accomplishments. And after his third year, he uh, entered into the draft to join the, the NBA, the National Basketball Association. And uh, seeing him and his accomplishments, you might think that, and especially now knowing who Michael Jordan would become, you might expect that he would be drafted first. But he wasn't. Uh, if you know basketball, the first man drafted that year was Hakeem Olajuwon. And if you know basketball, you'll know he was a pretty good player. He was actually a great player. Won a couple championships, you know, recognized as one of the you know, top 50 NBA players of all time, things like that. He was a really great player. So Michael Jordan wasn't drafted first. But he also wasn't drafted second either. He was drafted third. Now, Hakeem Olajuwon is first. Pretty well-known name. If you know basketball at all, you'll, you might recognize the name. Third is Michael Jordan. In between those two is Sam Bowie. All right. Now, unless you really know basketball, you would not know the name Sam Bowie. Sam Bowie was a pretty good college basketball player, and he was drafted by the Portland Blazers second in front of Michael Jordan. He had great potential. He was tall. He had great skill. Maybe some wonderful opportunities but he only played 33% of the games his first five seasons. He was just injured a lot. He was injured his first year, his second year. He was injured every year. He was injured a lot. Now, we don't know how good he could have been, but sometimes the best, most skilled people don't fulfill their potential because time and chance happeneth to them all. Sometimes unexpected things happen in life. Sometimes things that you're not expecting. Sometimes you're planning your life. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. This is what I'm going to accomplish. And sometimes a monkey wrench gets thrown into your plans. Sometimes you never know what's going to come around the corner. Do you remember in 2020 when, you know, COVID shutdowns and all of those things happened? I mean, I think nobody was expecting that. Nobody was ready for that. I wasn't ready for that. Our, our church staff, we never talked about, hey, what happens if this happens and we're, you know, all of these things. Well, that conversation never came up until we, you know, got the news. Hey, you know, this is what's going to happen. And so pastor called the staff meeting. Hey, you know, this is what we, we're going to do. And so just like all of the other churches, I think, you know, we started live streaming and doing things like that, online services. And it just goes to show you never know what a day may bring forth. You never know what tomorrow might be like. You never know how your plans might get thrown off. And so what is God trying to communicate to us in fullness of life is simply trust God 
and give him the glory. And we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know how things will turn up. And we, we don't know how God will move and change and all of these different things. But what we do know is even though we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, we know we can trust God. We know that all things are in his hands. We know he's got all things under his control. And if there are great blessings to come, then to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Psalm chapter 31 says, For my times are in thy hand. James chapter 4 says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Do you see what James is saying? He's saying, hey, you guys that are making all these great big plans for your life, and this is what I'm going to do and what I'm going to accomplish, you never know when the same situation is going to happen to the rich man. Remember the parable that Jesus gave? He was building a big barns, and I've got so much money, I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry, and enjoy life. And you know what God said? Hey, tomorrow you're going to die and you have to give an account to me. And who shall those things be that you've laid up for yourself? Hey, we don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow, but if we wake up tomorrow and we have breath, we have hope because God gave us another day. And if God will, we shall live. And if God wills and we live, then we can plan. Then we can do. Then we can move forward. All of these different sorts of things. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next year. And I think it's wise to plan and prepare. But always remember the foundation is, if God will, then we shall live. And if we shall live, then we will do this and that. Verse number 12 says, For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare. So are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it uh, falleth suddenly upon them. We don't know how things happen and when things will happen. And just like a fish in the sea, you've got a huge school of fish just floating through the sea, and suddenly a fisherman comes around and casts a net into the sea, and some are caught and some escape. How do you explain who gets caught and who's escaped? Oh, we just have to say, well, whatever happens is what happens. <laughs> we have no explanation for those things. We simply have to trust the Lord for what happens, for what God allows for us to go through, for what God allows us to escape and give him the glory for all of those things. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 7 says, So neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that give it the increase. God desires that we labor, that we work hard, that we find our place and be faithful and leave the rewards and the results up to him. So here is Solomon coming to this conclusion again. Fullness of life comes when we put ourselves in the hands of God. Putting ourselves in the hands of God means if I have another day today, that means God has given me a chance, an opportunity, hope for today. So let's make the most of today. Also understanding, we don't know what will happen today. 
And if God changes our plans or something unexpected happens, we'll just simply follow God, trust him, and leave the rewards up to him. Thirdly, what that leads us to then is to prioritize our limited concerns in this life. Now he goes into this story, verse number 13. This wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. There was a little city and few men within it, and there came a great king against it and besieged it and built great bulwarks against it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no man remembered that same poor man. Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. The words of wise men are heard in quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. You know what Solomon is saying? There's a lot of impressive things in life. But don't make this mistake of thinking the impressive things in life are the important things in life. Oh, there's a lot of things that look wow and great and look at that. But don't confuse the impressive with the important. Oh, a lot of people might be able to enjoy the pleasures of this world and they look like they're living it up and having all the fun and just, just having all of life that anybody might have. Well, don't be deceived. The impressive are not always important. Solomon went after the impressive things and found himself empty. And he realized, you know what? I got a little confused here. I chased after the impressive things of life, the, the wealth and the riches and all that it affords. It allows me to do this and buy this and go here and do that. And, and I, I got impressed by, you know, the glory and the fame and, and the power and the influence. And, and that was very impressive to me. But and now he's realizing, you know what? I got caught up in all of the flashy things of life. And I forgot the most important things of life. He says here in verse number 18, wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. You know what he's saying here? He's saying price things appropriately. There's nothing wrong with having riches, but you need to price that appropriately. Riches are not more valuable than righteousness. Riches are not more valuable than wisdom. Riches are not more valuable than a relationship with God. And what Solomon is saying is, oh, there's nothing wrong with having riches, just price it appropriately. Oh, there's nothing wrong with going and traveling and, and seeing the sights. I, I love traveling. I love going to different places, enjoying different cultures, eating great food from wherever I'm at. I, I love those things. And there's nothing wrong with doing any of those things, but price that appropriately. Price it appropriately. All of the things that you might have in life, price it appropriately. Because what he's saying here is, here is a poor wise man. He has great wisdom, but also he doesn't have a lot of money. And what he said here is, these people that don't have money, but are full of wisdom, are ignored 
all the time. And he's saying, that's a mispricing in your mind. Oh, it's so easy to think, oh, that guy made it in life. That guy's so successful. Look how much money that guy has. Oh, and he wrote a book. Let me read that book. That book will help me to be so successful in life. Whereas Solomon is saying, hold on a second here. I know that that guy looks impressive and his accomplishments look impressive, but what's the important things here? The most important things are, of course, first of all, our relationship with God. Salvation. Are you saved today? I'm glad that you're here in church, but the most important thing is that you might be saved. Coming to a church service doesn't take you to heaven. Giving in the offering plate doesn't take you to heaven. Praying a prayer and praying for your friends, that doesn't take you to heaven. Trusting in Jesus Christ with your heart. Acknowledging he is the son of God and that he died on the cross for your sins. And that he was buried and three days later he rose again so that you might have eternal life. That's the most important thing. After that is serving, serving the Lord, and then serving in your church, and serving the lost, and giving, and giving the gospel to them. That's the important things. That's why Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That is what God desires for us to do, to price things appropriately. Then if we price things appropriately, we can place ourselves accordingly. If we know what's the most valuable, then we can go to find those things that are most valuable. He says that in verse 17. The words of wise men are heard in quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. What he's saying here is, if wisdom is so valuable, which it is, put yourself in the place where you can gain wisdom and put yourself there regularly consistently, constantly, so that you might have that which is most valuable. I know there's a lot of things in life that will draw and attract your attention quickly and easily. You know, now that everybody's got mobile phones and the internet and social media and all of these things, you know, it's easy to get sucked into that and enjoy this and have a laugh and, and you know, just kind of, you know, spend a few minutes or hours, you know, just scrolling and, and uh, mindlessly just kind of entertaining yourself. But what God, I think, is advocating here for is, okay, if godly wisdom is so valuable, put yourself in that place where you can get it. Where do we find godly wisdom? in the word of God, in the word of God. And you know what that means for us to receive the word of God? We're going to have to put away some of the noisy things of this world and sit in the quiet places with God. That's going to mean you're going to need to wake up or before you go to bed, open your Bible in a quiet place, in a quiet time, put yourself where wisdom is spoken so that you might hear it and receive. This is why we advocate for the services here at Bible Baptist Church. This is why during every single service, we make the focal point of the service, the preaching of the word of God. Why? Because that's where wisdom is found. That's where the most valuable things in life can be found. The gospel, the word of God, the power of God, the instruction of God. And so let me encourage you, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. 
but exhorting one another. Hey, let's encourage each other. Hey, let's get to that place of wisdom. Hey, let's come to the church services. Hey, we got a Sunday morning service. We got a life connection class after that. Hey, you know what? You'll find some great wisdom there. Maybe somebody will ask a great question. Somebody will say, hey, I had this experience, or I read this verse, or your teacher will simply expound on the Word of God, and you'll be able to find some wisdom on a Sunday night, a Wednesday night. Open your Bible on a daily basis. Get into that quiet place so that you might get wisdom and be willing to pay for what is valuable in abundance. Because every yes requires another no. Saying yes to one thing means you got to say no to something else. And saying no to this means saying yes to that. There's no way you can say yes to everything. I wish we could. I wish we could say yes to everybody and everything. That would be great. But we all know we all have the same time every day. 24 hours in a day, that's what we get. And when that's over, it's over. And we can't fit everything into that day. You got sleep, you got to eat, you got to work, you got to spend time with your family. Uh, maybe you need a little bit of downtime, you need to relax, you have errands to run, you have all these different things. You can't say yes to everything. So you need to prioritize well. Prioritizing these things well means you're going to have to give up something. But don't make the mistake of thinking, if I have to give up something, you're getting less. When you give up the less valuable to get the true value from God, that's where fullness of life comes from. You can have fullness of life, but you're going to have to say no to some other things. You're going to have to say, no, I can't go there. No, I can't do that. No, I, I'm not going to be able to help you in that. I, I, I would like to. If I had an infinite number of minutes in a day, I would. And if I could, I would. But I can't. There are certain things that must be told no. I would love to, but I can't. Because God has given to me this day. And this day means I should please the Lord. And pleasing the Lord is how I get fullness of life. And Solomon spent all of those years doing all of those things, thinking life was so empty until he came back around and realized, ah, you know what? I forgot the basics. The righteous and their works are in the hands of God. Being in the hand of God, he found fullness of life.